Hey everyone, so we have a kind of unplanned, but it, I feel like we would have gotten here eventually. It would have been in the schedule. Uh, it definitely would have been in the schedule, but we have an unplanned conversation that I am incredibly excited about today as we continue kind of this mini-series that we're doing um, that we're calling The Return. And it's all about these stories that people have of their return to faith, whether that is after having completely left it, whether that is returning to faith uh, after a significant tragedy or significant loss or any sort of kind of trauma that impacts faith or any just regular faith journey through doubt. Right, normal, just coming right? through deconstruction and um, reconstruction. There's that, that has a whole spectrum of stories, which is why we are trying to get as many different, uh, uh, you know, as much of a variety of people on this show as possible so that we can hear all of those different stories. Because I think we tend to romanticize the really heavy stories and, you know, of um, people getting lost in gangs or drugs or whatever. And, and I don't think that's the healthiest way to approach people's stories. Yeah. I, I, um, if anything, it makes the people who don't, it makes the people who don't have those wild stories um, feel like their story isn't enough or their transformation or conversion wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, or like they would never be given a platform, like their story doesn't matter to share. It's, um, it's also kind of a reverse form of idolizing mm -hmm. the testimony in the Western Christian world. Because if you think about it, the testimonies we tend to prioritize are those, like you said, the gang members, mm -hmm. or they made all this money and all that. And most of what they all have in common is they, all, they always spend a lot of time talking about all that they had. And then they go, but I gave it up for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right, and it's almost a glorification of how good the person is at the end of this journey versus just how good God mm -hmm. has been on the journey. Oh, and you can always hear like a tinge in their voice of like, they miss all of that. Yeah. And there's like yeah. part of them that would probably give all of it up to go back to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, but uh, to be fair to those stories though, and I'm, it's not that I'm devaluing those stories. I think we, we started sharing most of them out of this positive intent to show that Jesus can reach anyone and to yeah. really demonstrate that and, and show, you know, even quote the least of these or whatever that Jesus can reach. But it's weird now because now we have, now we've had, we're having to pivot and say, but Jesus can also reach the people that aren't. <laughs> yeah. We, we've created our stories. own testimony subculture yes. and it, it needs to be balanced. Um, so with Speaking that. Speaking of balanced. <laughs> yes. Um, it, now all of that is probably going to give someone the impression that the story they're about to hear is boring. I have no idea what we're going to encounter because, to be honest, I've never heard this story before. So, um, I, we, Henry and I are both, I, we, Henry and I, are both thrilled to welcome Beth Grissom, who is a great friend of both of ours, onto the show. Hi, guys. Beth, we are glad you are here. We're glad we ran into you at this conference that we're at. We're at a young adult conference in Charlotte. And uh, this is really cool. We're sitting in my hotel room. And um, in the is... beautiful faith studios live from floor five yes, of the right. Hilton of Charlotte. <laughs> and I'm excited for this because Beth, while you have been someone that I consider um, a good friend and someone that I have a lot of respect and appreciation and love for, mm -hmm. I also haven't really ever been able to sit down with you and actually yeah, hear your story. True. Um, you get the privilege of hearing mine because you can play it on demand when you play any <laughs> podcast episode that I'm in. Um, exactly. But we always run into each other at events. And yep. all of us, ha we always have some other agenda in mind and like some other thing that we have to do. So I'm personally excited because I get to actually hear what your story is and or at least for the part of it that we're sharing here. So I'm personally excited about it. I don't know how Henry feels, but the look on his face. Oh, says, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, Beth and her husband are just two people I really admire. I've had to know them for some time. And I've heard elements of the story as far as it relates to to their marriage and their romantic journey and, and several of their asp their outlooks on faith and church work. And, and I'm always thrilled. She's always got such a heart for, for sharing and just a, a joyful way to, to make commentary. She really just brings joy out of the weeds when she talks. And <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> yes, nice thank you. Plug. And to do that plug. And so I'm just really looking forward to hearing the yes. whole enchilada, if you, if you will, at one point. So yes. thank at you for time, being willing to be on here. At the time you were hearing this, it means that this podcast is already out, um, but it is yet to release at the time that we're recording this. But Beth is co-hosting uh, a podcast called Joy in the Weeds, right? Joy That's in right. the Weeds. Joy in the Weeds. Um, and... Actually, Beth, at this point, I'd love for you to explain it because I haven't even heard an episode yet because it is unreleased. <laughs> it's not and out I, there yet. I think it's best for you to give us a picture of what that is. Well, I'm doing it with Kim Cove and we just have a blast getting together and chit-chatting and that's really what it is. Very casual conversational podcast. But 
yeah, we're just uh, looking at the struggles in life or the weeds and really believing that there is a way and there's supposed to be a way to have joy even in the midst of them. So looking at some of the struggles that people go through and, and challenges that we have in life, but always from the standpoint of, um, all right, so then, you know, how do we have joy in this, in the midst of this? So, mm. um, cause I just really believe that we're called to be joyful people. You know, we're called to, to have joy and to experience joy. And so, yeah, that's, that's our podcast. So we'll see. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're a couple, uh, uh, 50 something year olds who, um, <laughs> are just getting together and having a really good time talking about it, inviting people to come and share their mm. stories with us. So we love stories. I think stories are powerful. Yeah. And I, so. in a time of a lot of arguing and debating, I don't think we share enough stories. Absolutely. Um, we I don't just listen. We no. just don't listen. And, you know, there's, there's nothing um, more powerful than really sitting mm. back and listening to people's experiences and we can all learn and grow from that. So yeah. that's our hope. Absolutely. And, mm. um, Speaking so, of stories, yeah, well, first, <laughs> listeners, go check the show notes because at that time we'll have links and everything Aww, to thanks. her show. So go check the show notes if you want to uh, go hit that subscribe button, hit pause on this episode, go hit subscribe to hers, and then come back and finish this episode um, because we want we want to support other shows that are doing great things and um, point you to content that can be uplifting and encouraging um, because honestly that is right along the lines of what this show is very much about as well and i will say this before we jump into your story um i always ruin every segue that everyone ever tries to do it's all right ryan um, we love you the you you said you believe that we should we're called to be joyful people and have joy and i will say out of everyone who says they believe something and then try to live it out you are probably one of the top three top five people i would say that that actually like lives out well what they oh. believe um at least i i'm not saying that like you're always happy and positive and like nothing ever gets to you that's not it at all i'm sure i get on your nerves all the time but <laughs> there uh, might be a hint in the title about the, the weed yeah exactly um it, but i will say i very much appreciate that you i mean that is a consistent part of your personality oh, thanks um, you light up a room when you walk into it. Uh, so I don't even know why we have lights on. Why, 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 why are you talking about me that way? Okay, I have to tell you before we go any farther, I am so honored to be here. You guys, I love both of you so much. And your pod, this podcast is amazing. Like the, the day it came out, I listened to all three before lunchtime. So, no, that's not true. I think I finished the third one. Henry's was a little long. So I was going to say, I I'm a little long-winded, so it yeah. took so a minute. I, I finished Henry's uh, after lunch, but... Man, I just, I'm so inspired by it. I'm so excited to be here, so. Cool. Well, this has been a great episode. Thank you, everyone. We <laughs> yeah, just invite guests on to compliment us. <laughs> exactly. And now it's we're done. done. <laughs> no, so we're going to, let, let's start this off um, with kind of a, a simple background question, and um, which is this, like where on on your faith journey of, of what we're going to be talking about today, where would you say, can, bring us into the beginning of that faith journey. Where were you in life? What what were those circumstances? How did that journey kind of begin? You know, I'm one of those that can't remember a time when I did not have faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, obviously that evolved and grew as I grew. And, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, I can remember, you know, being in church as a very young girl in classes and learning the songs and, uh, just to give you a, how real it was for me when my parents uh, were missionaries to Ethiopia. And so obviously I went along and <laughs> for the ride <laughs> and it wasn't, we hadn't been there very long. And I noticed that in my class, I was only seven years old when we went over. Um, and, but I realized that in the class with the seven, eight year olds, by this time I was eight. So we've been there about a year and uh, they were bringing their younger siblings in. And I had remembered being in a class for, you know, the babes, you know what I'm saying? The little tiny ones. And so I said to my mom, why don't they have their own class? Why are they being brought in on the hips of their eight and nine year old, mm. you know, siblings and not going to their own class? And she said, because we don't have a teacher. And I said, well, I can teach it. I mean, I know all the songs and I know all the stories and I have the felts at home and I mm. can do it. And my mom said, well, you don't speak the language. You can't do that. And I said, daddy gets a translator when he preaches. Why can't I get a translator for my, for this, this class, you know, for these little mm -hmm. ones. So anyway, wow. next week I started teaching as I was eight year old was teaching for, you know, birth to three. 
Wow. So, you know, but but that all came out of that relationship that was there. And, uh, you know, I like to joke that my growing up, I grew up with two brothers and a mom who was, you know, struggling with the transition of living in a foreign country. Mm. We're in Ethiopia and and my dad was always gone. And so I was completely alone. And instead of having an imaginary friend, which I had a hard time with, I just talked to God. Mm. And it was, you know, so, yeah, it's 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 kind of. Uh, that's not a really exciting beginning. <laughs> that just is, you know, it's no, just, yeah. ever since I can remember, it's definitely been a part and not just a part, but a really precious part. I mean, mm. I do remember, uh, you know, really powerful moments. I remember a, a preacher, um, shoot, I should remember the name. Is it elder Bradford? Anyway, who came over when I was, uh, 10 years old and, uh, preached a sermon. And I said, dad, I, I got to be baptized. You know, that Mm. was, um, I then wanted to give, give my heart to God and go through that process. Um, I'm the preacher's kid and, you know, like the, uh, shoe cobbler whose kids never had their shoes done. My baptism was put off because dad didn't have time. (laughs) Ah. So, so I wasn't Mm. baptized at 10, but it took a little longer. Uh, it was 12 before I was baptized, but Uh, I just, you know, I'm very thankful though. I can't tell you how many major things happened to me as a little girl. And I can, in the midst of every one of those situations, just remember, um, experiencing his presence and, and feeling comforted by him and feeling supported by him and feeling peace that I knew was just because of him. And I was so young and, you know, the idea that we're supposed to become like little children to me is such a beautiful concept because I remember, I know what it's like to be in relationship with him as a little child. And that's such like this surrendered, blind, beautiful, just unquestioning faith in a God who loves me and relishes in me so much. Mm. So that was my, that was the earliest beginning. Wow. So two things here. Um, that just just some quick clarifications for those who may have never ever set foot in any sort of like little kids ministry room ever in their life. Felts, <laughs> yes. felts, especially, uh, pre, especially pre nineties. Although they were definitely around yeah. in the nineties. Oh no, I, I know. I grew up on felts. Um, think um, think the carpet on your floor, but as a wall, um, and like a little and, and board. Th- and think about very non Middle Eastern looking pasty white characters. But in Middle Eastern garb. But in Middle Eastern garb. (laughs) Yes. Yes. They were used, basically felts were used to illustrate Bible stories and things. So you'd order this big felt thing and you had to individually cut out every character from the giant felt sheet. Oh, yeah. And not Um, only, we didn't only do that. Like we cut them all out, but then we hand, like this is back in the day when you had to hand color them. And so we hand colored and oh, hand painted them. But you were able to them. color them, though. Jeez. This this is before I, I, they were actually. This is like I was gonna I was gonna ask how did that this play is like in dinosaur Ethiopia? Age. I'm that like, old. Here is you know. Uh, hand hand me the flesh colored uh, marker. <laughs> Have fun with that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I will say this is this at the risk of this joke going over everyone else in this room's head. Um, that is like the Christian version of Warhammer 40k. <laughs> um, Warhammer 40k is this big gaming like uh, big gaming kind of uh, subculture and it is a game but it is a sort where you buy a bunch of miniature figurines and you actually have to paint them and I'm talking yes. like people yeah, they have, have entire huge... armies and collections yes. worth I'm talking thousands of pieces that they have hand painted I think um, there's I think there's episodes on YouTube you can see where some of these people have these elaborate yeah. like 30,000 well, piece rooms filled with them yeah I mean the felts that we had my my mother didn't only like color them and paint them or whatever they had these certain I think they're actually chalks that they would use to color them. Mm. So you could do shading and everything. But then um, she would actually embellish everything. So like the king's robes, they had, you know, braiding and different things on them and sequins and different. I mean, like she like these so were you some, had the, these the Royals some, Royce oh, of felts, whereas they, some of us were never like, here's seen, what's left of the trailer park. Oh, yeah. I've <laughs> never seen any felts like these ever, mm. you know before or since so anyway but sorry yeah that was kind of no you're fine and i i personally i don't think that there's anything wrong with um with that story being what it is like a it's your story like you said you're sorry if it's boring or not that exciting but like (laughs) it doesn't matter what what it is it matters that it's your experience period and that is the experience i would i would argue your experience is actually more so involved than the experience of a lot of christians growing up you were given a direct position of authority 
and trust at eight years old to an age group that is like the most guarded age group ever. Like their parents are like always with them every second of every day. And and not just that, you're doing so outside of the context of your native land. Like you've gone halfway around the world to Ethiopia to do this at that age. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think like... I'm loving this so far, is what I'm <laughs> okay. saying. Um, I'm so, also yeah. wondering why we don't have Ethiopian yeah. food here at the moment. Wow, that would be fantastic. Ryan would need it, though. Probably not. I'm the pickiest eater in the world. <laughs> Nothing against Ethiopian food. I don't think I've ever had Ethiopian food, and I don't do well oh, doing man, new things. Good. Let me tell you, Ethiopian food... you eat food, it with your hands. You take that, that stuff, and you, I can't remember what it's You called, take and you injera, and then yes, you, yes. you eat the what with the injera. Yes, it's... <sighs> okay, so you get baptized at... Um, 12 years old. Yeah. And and what happens, I guess, after that, right? So clearly there's more to this story. Yeah, um, I want to back up, if you don't mind, just for two seconds. How uh, dare just you? Really, I that know, is unacceptable. I know. This is story. not your show. It is. It is the Beth show. Go for it. Uh, you better be backing up to tell us what it felt like when your dad didn't have time for did you. Did you say what it felt like, <laughs> Henry? Uh, uh, that felt, that, that pun will stick. <laughs> well done. No, I just, you know, there's one other story that really um, had a huge impact on my life, and that was... Um, when I was nine and a half, um, my parents announced to us that my, that they were having another child and I had two brothers and I love my brothers, but I was desperate for a sister. And so I started every single day praying for a little sister. And I was one of those obnoxious kids, you know, like every prayer Ever, if it doesn't matter if so I was, they'd be like, pray for the food, and you'd be yes, like, Lord, dear I want Jesus, the food and please, give me a sister. please, 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 I want a baby sister. Mm. Please let it be a baby sister. Now bless a few day men. You know, like that was it was every single time without fail. I did it for the full pregnancy, wow. and then we traveled over to Kenya for my mom to have said baby, and I was privileged enough to go into the hospital and meet my brother Peter. Mm. <laughs> and my mom was certain Yikes. that my faith was now destroyed because, you know, I, yeah, for obvious reasons. And I remember her asking me about that in the hospital, like, you know, is your faith okay? Because I know, I mean, I was very happy to meet my brother and mm -hmm. what nine and a half year old girl doesn't love a real live, you know, baby doll to play with. So I was <laughs> thrilled. Baby doll to play <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah. I mean, you know, and so... Uh, this was a thrilling time for me. And I just remember looking at my mom and having so much joy and said to her, oh, no, mom, <laughs> God is just saying, wait a while. And my mother. Oh, no. <laughs> I did, that just sunk uh, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. That one had a delayed impact. <laughs> oh, no. Like my the delay mom in just, the pregnancy. My mom just instantaneously was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're, <laughs> yeah, you know, we're done. Four kids. That's enough. Like, we're, that's it. I'm <laughs> that so sorry. Well. You know, and, and I just, I don't know. I just know God's telling me to wait a while. And I cannot explain that moment or why I believed it so much. Obviously I didn't have Bible scripture, you know, telling me thou shalt have a sister. Um, and so all I know is I had been in this beautiful, simple childlike conversation with my Lord and savior, every moment of every, you know, like mm. just as much yeah. as you could possibly do. And I, in that moment, fully believed that he was telling me, I'm just telling, you know, just wait a while, Beth, just wait a while. So fast forward to uh, the summer of my 10th year of life. And we were in the United States and uh, my grandfather's physician and everything inappropriate said at mealtime. And he proceeded to announce about when my dad was going to have his vasectomy. And I didn't know what that meant, but very pretty quickly figured You're it out. You're buying a vase? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but you, I pretty quickly figured it out. Kids figure things out. That this they is should. in the United States. Though, this right? is in the United States. Okay, I want to come back to the fact that you weren't baptized in Ethiopia. And No, 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 no. This was just on furlough. This was just a summer oh, vacation. Oh, okay. This was just okay. a summer vacation. So we had it. So um, they shipped me off to my aunt and uncle's house the night before his surgery to spend time with my cousin. And that night in this house that I didn't know my aunt and uncle very well, I cried myself to sleep and I cried myself to sleep. And this is really huge. I cried myself to sleep 
not because I was not going to have a sister because by that time I realized I didn't need a sister. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I was so in love with my brother and that was not even a, like yeah. that was not the dream or the need that I was having at that point. But I cried myself to sleep and I remember this cry so well. And it's shocking to me. It's just a 10 year old little girl. I said, Oh Lord, how did I not hear you right? And that was my, you know, my cry to him is why did I, how did I mishear you? Because I was sure, like I, every fiber of my being was sure. And uh, three weeks later, my mom was really sick and they couldn't figure out why. And oh, wow. <laughs> finally, somebody decided to give her a pregnancy test and it was positive. She had gotten pregnant right before the vasectomy. In the nick of and time. And I spent the next nine months. Get out. <laughs> Get out, Henry. I, I spent the next nine months praising God for my baby sister. Mm. And she was born on April Fool's Day. <laughs> God, well, a sense of humor. Uh, but that was really huge for me because it wasn't like, it's not about that God gave me what I had asked for. That's not the point at all. It was... For me, as that little 10-year-old girl, it was like, nope, you can trust in the fact that you're hearing me. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you can, you can trust in that because you're right. That is, you know, that's what, anyway, that was my, so that was my little 10-year-old girl experience, which was pretty exciting. But then, is all as beautiful as that was, at the same time, while all of this is going on, there are things in life that I like to, I just recently heard someone talk about them as paper cuts. Like, you know, you have, you can have big trauma. You guys were talking about the big story, you know, the going to, what do you call it? You know, like getting into drugs and doing all that kind of jazz. That was not part of my story. But what was part of my story was just the tons and tons and tons of little hurts like paper cuts that you can just say, oh, it's just a paper cut. It's not that big a deal. And the next thing you know, you've got an infected limb that needs to be amputated. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Like, and so little paper cuts to both my faith Death and to my, to my soul and yeah. to my, you know, you talk about joy and lighting up the room. You know, it was like all of those paper cuts to a point that eventually I was just um, the farthest from joyful. Mm. Wow. So what were, I guess, what were some of those, what were some of those cuts that, mm -hmm. that kind of ate away at, at, at your faith and the, the joy that you did have? I mean, it, one was meeting me. I know that, but I, you can, you can, but between you and Henry is that was like, you know, that's a, that's a gash, <laughs> not a cut. <laughs> no, you know, it was, it was things that every single person out there, it, I'm sure can say they've experienced, but things like, um, loneliness, big one, mm. um, rejection. Uh, I, I had a really difficult time, uh, with friendships. Um, uh, you know, when we came back to the States, I was 12, almost 13. I was so weird. I mean, let's be real, you know, like I, and this is at a time where teenagers were particularly susceptible to why won't my peers like me or I don't want oh, to stick the out. Word. Come on, 13. Really? Yeah. Like, you know, 12 to 13. It's awkward stage for girls. None of us are cute. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, you know, and to be fair, there's some of that. That's also true for guys. Oh, for sure. Not, not all of it. There's some of it for sure. But, you know, and I come back, we're up at Andrews University, you know, which is, you know, Adventist Mecca and mm. Uh, in you know, Michigan, by the way. So, you know, the center Michigan. of paradise. Yeah. In Michigan. So it just was a very challenging. It was that was challenging. Um, it, it, you know, then later on, I mean, I, you know, and from people on the outside looking in, everything's fantastic. Right. I meet a fantastic guy. I end up married. Um, and yet. With all that, you're still. I found myself failing at things like, uh, failing at things like housekeeping and parenting and, you know, just navigating life. And mm. then, you know, and all of it comes together. Like I said, just little tiny paper cuts, nothing major until I had gotten to a place where I just didn't almost recognize who I was and questioned whether or not God was really even there anymore hearing me. Hmm. Now, now I'm I'm curious on that. You said that it's things like 
feeling like you're failing at housekeeping, failing at <laughs> marriage, things like that. Was there something about the faith you'd had to that point that made you feel like you weren't living up to some sort of standard that caused you to fail? Like, I'm just curious, where was the, what was the thing that was making you feel like you were failing, right? <laughs> it wasn't hard. You just looked around. I well, mean, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's this general sense for of housekeeping. Yeah, that was kind of obvious. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know. Listen, you know, I have many, many gifts. That's not one of them. All right. That's just, it's not. But, you know, it was so bad at one point. I mean, I don't, I hate to air my dirty laundry, but hey, we're uh, going to be vulnerable. Intended. No pun intended. Exactly. But um, some of our dearest friends called us one evening wanting to know if they could come over. And I quickly looked around the house and realized there was absolutely not one clean surface. There was dirty laundry on the floor that needed to still go in the washing machine and the couch covered in clean laundry. There were toys everywhere. There was not one clean dish. Every bit was on the counter. I mean, it was horrible. And I told Chris, you cannot let them in the door. Like they mm. cannot come over. They were coming over to announce to us that after several years of trying that they were finally pregnant. Uh. Yeah. Do you see like, yeah. and, and so where does that all lay? Where does that all come down on? My inability to function and do what I'm supposed to be doing. Not to mention the times that Chris would come home and the kids' diapers were dragging the ground. And I know you single guys may not understand what that means, but that means it's a disposable diaper. diaper that has not been changed in a very long time. And the wet has just like, you know, anyway, gotcha. you get it. Yeah, we, we definitely have as crappy a visual as we need. <laughs> but <laughs> Ryan is giving me a look that also says I should change. So, no, but I, I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, was part of that you thought you were failing God at the same time as well? 100%. Or? Now, it, I guess when I hear this, I wonder, like, at what, what, were the, what were the prayers, I guess, or what were the things that you felt like, God, are you even, you know, listening or there or whatever, that when, when these things happened, those were the questions that you asked— or was this more of the sense of failure that, uh, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to that, no. um, but the, the sense of failure that then just kind of projected itself onto the other area of things, if that makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, I can reword it. No, reword that for in, me. In other words, <laughs> because you were failing in these things, did that sense of failure get projected into other areas such as your faith? So since I can't keep the house clean, since I can't do whatever... Therefore, I'm also failing or must be failing at faith. I must be failing at this. Or would, you know, or is God going to keep listening to me because of these things? Yeah, I, I, it, it was partly that. It was also that I was constantly asking, I wanted to be different. Mm, okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I wanted to be different. So I would cry out to him to be different. And gotcha. And okay. it wasn't happening. And, you know, now looking back on so much, I was just plain out struggling with a serious case of depression Yeah, and wasn't doing anything about it. Um, you know, we were, um, you know, Chris was working way too many hours. I mean, there were sometimes he was, you know, gone before the kids got up in the morning and didn't get home till they're already in bed at night. And so the isolation was crippling. I mean, I was mm -hmm. all by myself for you know, sometimes I didn't leave the house until church Sabbath morning. And the next time I left the house was church Sabbath morning the next week. Mm. And so, you know, that was like, oh, it was rough. It was just a really difficult time. But it all, I guess it's not though, it's easy to say, okay, well, that was just this little period right after your kids were born. You know, I, we had three kids in two and a half years, just so that people understand the intensity of what I was dealing with. But it wasn't just that moment because there was so much else that built up to that. Things of shame and things of, you know, uh, physical stuff, not being able, feeling like I didn't fit into my family, like feeling like they were, you know, all smarter than I was and more gifted than I was and because they mm. were gifted in different ways. You see what I'm saying? But it just, it's little things. And, and, and I guess. And the depression compounds it. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. And by the time, you know, I w by the time I was a young mom with all these kids and all that junk, it was um, it, everything had built up to the point that I not only now had paper cuts, but I had, you know, I had huge wounds that were festering because mm -hmm. of, you know, and then you anyway. 
So it, it got pretty ugly. So how, what was the point that you realized that this was probably depression or what was the point that you realized there was, I guess, a breaking point or, um, yeah, that, that something I, needed to, to shift or change. All right, here's a visual for you. So this is back in the day when taking pictures, you had to get them developed. <laughs> Which I remember that. No, now that's an, that remember that's an aesthetic choice. Now it's an aesthetic choice. So uh, we had a camera and I went and had pictures developed. And when I picked them up from the store, I'm flipping through them and I come across a picture. And in this picture... It's very obvious that I did not take the picture because I'm in the picture. It was taken by my daughter and I didn't realize she had taken the picture. And she was only probably four at the time. And the other two that were in the picture don't have a shirt on and their diapers are hanging low. The room is a complete disaster. But the focal point of the picture is me. And of course, it's crooked because it was taken by a four-year-old. You know what I'm saying? So it's, mm. it's far from a great picture. But the focal point is me and I'm on the couch. And I have this look of just being completely absent from the room at all. I mean, it's just this blank, dead stare. Wow. And it broke me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. That was a moment. It was just like, whoo. How can you, how can you have let yourself be there? Wow. Um, Sorry. No, no thank you. No, for, no. no, that's, that's why we, that's why we do this. Um, thank you for, for being willing to share that moment. Um, that is, I feel like, I mean, it's obviously heavy, but I feel like it's, it's a different kind of heavy because there's that, there's that moment that you realize that that's what your kids see yeah. right like that's literally, <laughs> literally yeah. from her view. Of, yeah yes um, yes and and so it's no longer like oh I, I know how i feel but i'm hiding it it's this is this has gone outside it of myself to everybody this is yeah. their reality mm. this is their reality that's their mama yeah it's Do kind of it's yeah. kind of those moments where and i know someone who suffered depression too you think you're putting on a good front like you're miserable, but no one else can probably see it. Mm -hmm. And then it takes some moment like that where you realize you're not fooling anybody. No. Yeah. Right. Just yourself. And of. I wish I would love to sit here and tell you guys, okay, so that moment I went and got a counselor and I got healed and everything was peachy king, but that didn't happen. And I think part of that is, um, uh, you know, this, uh, the ridiculousness, the, the stigma at the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, which I know you guys address all the time. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad we found a way to get it in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, somehow <laughs> therapy. Yeah. It is a for beautiful sure. and, thing. And, you know, I have very few regrets in my life because I think a lot of the mistakes and a lot of things that I've learned over the years, you know, contribute to the richness. Do you know what I'm saying? Of who I am today, but there is no question question. That's my one big greatest regret is that I didn't go and get help right there. And then so that, my kids had a different view. Mm. Wow. So if, if therapy then at that point wasn't an option, mm -hmm. not that it wasn't an option as in if it couldn't have been gotten, but just because of circumstance and culture and, and other things, what you said you were broken, you knew something had to change, mm -hmm. but you don't have that as an option. So what did you turn to or what did you hope you could turn to at, at that point to be present, if you will, to come back. Well, you know, the, the, the sweet and clean and beautiful Christ-like thing to say is that I wanted to turn to Christ. But honestly, I think at that point, you're so broken. That's not, that's not, that's, it, it wasn't an option. Yeah. yeah. When you're at that, because it hasn't worked. That's the feeling to this point. So why yes. would I go back to that? Mm -hmm. Correct. And the feeling of, I am such a failure. I have failed God as you had mentioned earlier, yep. would he even care or accept any of that at this point too? Absolutely. There's any number of those things or reasons why people don't do that. And so it makes sense here. And what I want to say too, is that you all have to understand at this time, I'm working at the church on a constant and regular basis as a volunteer. Do you know what I'm saying? Whenever I can, I'm helping out with the building committee, I'm mm. doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and yet you're still in the middle I'm, of that isolation you were talking about. Yeah, I'm not the person that people um, 
the what people saw and what was really happening inside of me and even at home was they were not the same thing. Mm. Well, they and church unfortunately tends to be a place where it's very easy to hide. Yeah. In, in the sense that people think if you're there, you're okay. Yeah. So we don't even think to, I've been guilty of that too in church settings. I, I don't think to ask people because you always go, well, if they're not here, something must be wrong. Yeah. But the ones that are there all the time and something's very wrong, it just goes right by you because you're like, well, they're here, they're fine. Yeah. Okay, so can I get the good part? Oh, oh, please. <laughs> I really want to get to the good part. So do we. <laughs> so I was um the I was desperate for something. And this was many years later. Uh I had just been the depression lifted somewhat, so I started functioning a little bit better, but still far from good. And my relationship with God, not what it should be. And um I felt like a fake. And I felt just weighed down all the time. And so I finally just said, okay, this has got to give. And I decided I was going to start a journey where I blogged every single day for 365 days with just trying to keep my focus on living without all of this. And I didn't even know how to phrase it or how to, you know, how to, uh, couch the whole thing, but I just, I just had to live differently. And so finally I was talking with a friend of mine she's like, okay, so what's the, your title and I, of your blog? And I said, I have no idea. And she, <laughs> I know. And, um, she said, well, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to say? And in trying to formulate what that idea was and plan was, I finally just said to her, I just want to figure out how to live minus all of this crap. And she said, well, then that's your title. Minus the crap. And so I was like, okay. So I titled it MTC because I couldn't even write it like in the title. That I, I'd always raised crap was a bad word. And if it is to someone out there, I'm sorry. But it needs that word and you'll see why. Um, I mean, it's literally the title of there is no doing this without that. At yeah. this point, yeah, correct. Yeah, you're, you're, That's yeah. my that was the title. You're in good so. company here. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I think I used the word first in this conversation. <laughs> yes, so. you did. I was so excited to hear you say it. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> potty mouth that I am. <laughs> you have permission. So I, for the next 365 days, every single day, made a post. It was more like just a journal entry on a blog. And the reason I chose you on a blog was because I thought if I got one person to follow me, then I would be held accountable because I couldn't. Mm. I didn't think I could do anything on a consistent basis, which was a lie, but one I was believing at the mm -hmm. time. And so I started blogging about how to live minus the crap. And really what it was, was identifying crap in my life, identifying what was crap. And over those year, over the, that year, I learned so much about it. Um, I'll never forget before I even started, I just talked to my friend and I was, um, had just come up with a title and I'm sitting at the church getting ready to go in for some board meeting or something. And Mandisa was on and the song freedom came on freedom song came on. And I don't know if you guys have heard that song, but it is, she talks about being set free from the chains. And I'm telling you, I sat in the car and just wept realizing how incredibly um, shackled I was. Do you know what mm. I'm saying? Just yep. by, by the crap. I mean, and it, and it was, it was just so intense. The second song was dance, dance, dance by her. And the thought of dancing for God, I was so covered up with shame at that point, which the crap that I could not eat. I've never been able to dance. I, I still can't dance. Like, like, let's be real. Mm. But the Neither idea of Christian, you can't. <laughs> no, dance. I'm <laughs> we can't. I'm. Oh, yeah. No, that's not in my repertoire. However. I, the thoughts of being free enough to do that, the freedom song and the, the song, I mean, it's, it's a glorious song. And then followed by the dance, dance, dance. It was like if I could be free enough, do you know what I'm saying? From this crap maybe one day I'll be able to dance. Like that was, you know, like I just mm. want to be free enough from this crap so I can dance. So anyway, so here's the beautiful part. The process of classifying crap for what it was gave me the freedom to let it go. And this is the reason why when a baby is born, a baby doesn't like crap. 
we don't have to train a baby to cry when they mess up their diapers, right? They wet their diapers or they crap their diapers and they cry because they want it changed. That's not something that's trained in us. But I had been holding on to crap for years and years and years and even treasuring it, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to think about literal crap, okay? So I'm holding it, cherishing it, carrying it around and not being willing to let it go, examining it. Like, is this, I mean, come on. Yeah. Sometimes people say stuff to you that's unkind and is just meant to be hurtful. And we take that and we say, well, do I need to examine this to see if there's some truth here for me? And, you know, like, really? Mm-hmm. If that's just so ridiculous. But me, me classifying it as crap gave me the permission to let it go. You know, to visualize yeah. it as this is like literally. This that. sounds like that. What's that? What's that show about minimalism on Netflix? The with the, uh, oh, what is her name? There's an Asian woman that does this show yeah. all about like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've never actually go. watched it, but I know. What yeah, you're... but it's all about like it's all about getting rid of the extra stuff and. Yeah. That's like why the tiny house movement and stuff has gotten really big. Mm-hmm. Is this idea of all the excess got to yeah. go? Yeah, except I'm not talking about cute little things. I'm talking. No, about... you're talking about like the things that really don't need to be there and are gross and. But that we become Gross. so dependent on, in a sense, like you said, it's a, mm. it's almost inverse. We cherish the stuff we shouldn't, yeah, because it's just For normal, sure. because it's consistent, and because if it's bad enough now, we don't know what other pain might be out there, and so it's safer to live in the box than go out of yeah, it. Yeah, at least I know what you know, to expect here. Yeah, exactly. I can at least I've learned some yes. coping mechanism We're for com- here. We become familiar and comfortable with just holding on to it because it's it's what we're used to doing. Yeah, and letting it go is is you know, different. So I started, I started classifying it. Sometimes it's shame. It's not just shame though. Um, you know, it lies in general, um, lies that other people tell me lies that I believed about myself. Um, it was, uh, you know, it, it <laughs> what I learned in this process was it's also not just my crap that, that impacts me, but other people's. And you guys know there are people that you get around that are just stinky. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can't if you are around them for any length of time, you know, you're ex- like you've been rubbing shoulders with them too long and it's, you've got some of their crap on you. Yeah. It's kind of like the old peanuts trope with the the what was it? Pig pen that always walked yes. around all the flies and all the dust yes. and everything, everything he touched. Yes. Linus was always trying to keep the blanket away from him because it yes. would get dirty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know, before I would take those things and and then weirdly hang on to also theirs. You know what I'm saying? And so then Mm. it's no wonder that then I've found myself in this place where I'm just so weighed down. I can't imagine a life that has any joy in it whatsoever. And so, but here's the, the beauty, beauty of it, just visualizing it, learning how to classify it for what it was (laughs) for the value that it had, which was none. Mm. Except that's not true because in the process of doing this, I realized, first of all, all of us have it, right? And we live in a world where we can't get away from being around people that have it. And so there is only one place that crap is good. And that's to use as fertilizer. And mm. crap fertilizing grows beautiful flowers and things that are glorious. So we need it. It's not even like, it's not something to be afraid of, but the issue is we've got to let it go where it's supposed to be. Yeah. it's And for me, that is surrendering it, not taking it on. There's sometimes I have to be around people that I know are like that. Like there's sometimes you can go in a room and someone is slinging it at you, their own. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And that's given me empathy because I can recognize it as being, wait a minute, that's just their crap. Do you know what I'm saying? That's not yeah. mine. That's just theirs. So guess what? I'm just going to let them go. And then... I'm going to go take a shower, <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> because I can't do anything about it. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's a boss or, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so then, you know, you know what, I'm just going to take it because I can't do anything about that. But then I'm going to go take a shower because uh-uh, that is their crap and I don't need to hang on to it. Mm. Wow. So, and go no, ahead, no, 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 you're fine. Your crap. That should be the episode title. Um, <laughs> so what was, okay. So, so let me ask what were, 
what are some of that crap that you were able to turn into fertilizer? What were some of, what was some of those things that you were able to identify? I can grow something beautiful can grow out of this, or is it something that you noticed back in hindsight? Uh, um, it was in the process. Just I think that the the idea was just in processing it. I don't know of anything specific other than all of it, frankly, like mm. just knowing. Look, letting it go is not about just brushing something off or brushing it under the rug. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Surrendering this ick, the hurts, the shame, the lies, the stuff the deceiver is trying to tell all of us, right? All of that, just letting it go allows God to do something beautiful with it. Yeah, it's, it's the redemptive narrative. Of it. You know, ah. like even in my own journey with therapy, uh, which is again another time to say, Guys, hopefully you realize, guys, gals, therapy is a beautiful go, thing. Go, 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 go. get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but even in that journey, I learned about a lot of crap I was telling myself Yeah. that I was holding on to, whatever. And it's not that I can even say today that that stuff's out of my head like I've forgotten it. But like you said, I never thought of it in the context of fertilizer. It's, <laughs> it's, but now I hit situations where those thoughts still come to me. And this is part of the beauty of therapy. They teach you how to do something else with it. It's, right. it's like, it doesn't go away, but now I know to plant it for my flower instead of wear it on my face. Yes. Right. And so I go, oh, and, and now on that your I know I do this, on I'll your do this. face, it is stinky and it impacts your relationships. Who wants to be around someone who's smelling of crap, right? Yeah. Like we don't want to be. So we repel it. It makes it difficult to be around people. It makes either if it's theirs or yours or whatever it happens to be. But if you can let it go, then you know, first of all, you're clean and sweet and there's, it's so much more lovely. I, I remember writing about a white robe, but like, you know, those terry cloth robes, like just the mm -hmm. big, glorious, really soft, beautiful terry cloth, terry cloth robe. And I talked about, you know, just the, the beauty of being able to finally take that bath, take a shower, let mm -hmm. it go and put on that you know, that robe and I'm, I'm not going all biblical here, you know, but there is a similarity there. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there that is being, imagery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, to be able to have that. And I will tell you this for my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Obviously he was with me in this whole entire journey, even when I wasn't overtly seeking after him, he was still right here with me in all of it. And for that, I'm so incredibly thankful but there is no question in my mind that the deceiver wants us to be covered in our crap or everybody else's crap or, you know, whatever, just so that it is, it makes it so much harder for us to be willing to reach out to him. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, like, yeah. like if he can keep us crippled and focused and weighed down and in shackles and chains with crap, then he can, you know, then he keeps us from, the person who wants to take it all away and yeah. grow flower gardens, you know? One of, one of the things that really strikes me about what you've just shared and, and was, was this, this blog and this method of, you know, this, this idea of identifying the crap in your life and, mm -hmm. and getting rid of it, really. Um, this seems like out of, out of the entire story that you've shared up to now, this feels like the first time that uh, you had really um, either taken or taken back agency in your own life to mm -hmm. say that this stuff is no longer, um, this, this stuff no longer gets to even control me or define me and I'm going to own this. And, and going along with, with the comments you just made about what the deceiver wants, really it's, it's an act of saying, yeah, not even he gets to win and gets to define me. Mm -hmm. And, um, this is a sense of agency that if, you, if, if, if someone is, is listening and they're like well yeah but it's not you don't have control of your life god does and um it's not necessarily that kind of agency that i'm talking about there's there's that universal or cosmic agency that god does have but i think god also in creating us as you know his creation yeah, individual um choice. as individuals gives you that gives you choice gives you agency gives you power and responsibility in your life and entrust that to you um and this is very much like that's what that is is you saying no this this life is mine uh, and I'm going to own it. And yeah. that's beautiful to me. Like, I'd love to choose that. where it goes. You know? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, but that's just what I hear when I, when I, um, and I love yeah, it. I was sitting here trying to process it as you were talking about that. I was like, was that, <laughs> but yes, yeah. it is. I mean, I was, and, and the one thing I could do was say, you know, there was a lot of things out of, often 
we have a lot of things that we feel are out of control of our lives, you know, things that we can't handle. But this was, I could every day take a few minutes. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and process this. And I will say when I started, I think I had hopes and dreams that it was going to change me physically. It was going to change me spiritually. It was going to change me emotionally, you know, all of those things. Mm. And uh, physically it didn't start, like I didn't start uh, taking care of myself physically until much later. Like it still, it was a couple years after that year of blogging before that came into play. But I will tell you changing my life from a physical stance would have never, you know, changing my diet and other things would have never happened if I hadn't done this other work first. Mm. Yeah. You know, like it, it, yeah. it had to happen. Well, because you had you had to learn to take some measure of control out of the chaos that was life, right? Because yeah. you're saying just in that situation, kind of like what Ryan was saying, you you there was a point where you're like, I can't control this. Yeah. But one thing I can, and it's my choice, and when I do it, this is, this is one thing that even from the biblical perspective, I just wish more people understood. Humans, we have a unique ability. The one thing no one can ever take from you is choice. Right, we can't control the people throwing crap at us, and and sometimes right. and sometimes even crap seems involuntarily mm-hmm. to come. Right, mm-hmm. it's just a process of life. If you want to use that analogy, because mm-hmm. if it's you're true. eating life, it's, it's eventually going to turn into whatever. It's true. But but we can choose what to do with it. And as as you kind of went through that experience, like I said, it doesn't change immediately. But I think it, it begins reprogramming mental pathways. You, you get yeah. you get more used to taking control. Not in, a, not in a control freak sense, because we can't all control everything, but you go, what I can do something about, I will choose to do something that respects me and, and others. You, you, basically, you learn a form of self-respect, mm-hmm. and so that begins spinning out into and spilling Absolutely. out into other areas of your life, and yeah, it's only once you respect yourself, you can let someone like God or someone else respect you. Mm-hmm. Right. So sure. what, I guess, the, the, the question I have here is, how did this translate into your faith? Like, I, 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 like, how did you go from in the midst of identifying and getting rid of the crap? How did your what were some of the moments, or how did your faith then start to be restored from that? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, because your life so, is one thing, but faith is this other category that's a part of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's very intertwined. But um, I'll, I'll never forget a really uh, one of my mentors, uh, Lynn Artell, great woman. Uh, she said to me, we were having a conversation at some point in this journey. And she, she had been reading the blog and she shared with me at one point, she said, I just would love for you to ask God one question every day. Like, even if you don't do anything else, don't read the Bible. Don't, you know, if you don't do anything else, she said, would you just every day wake up and ask him one question? And I want, this is the question I want you to ask. And that is God, please Show me today how you see me. Mm. And as the person who had been so incredibly weighed down and covered up with all his crap for so many years, do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, just absolutely. a completely broken person to, to even be willing to ask that question was difficult, but mm. then to be willing to really earnestly hear him when he would show me, was shocking. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it would just, it was shocking, but such a beautiful journey. So I did, I started doing that. So that became, that became part of this process was as I would identify the crap it was, which really, if I were to get it down to one word, I say it was lies because I think shame are lies. And you know, you know what I'm saying? It all comes down to these yeah. lies. So if I were to come down to the one thing, it would be you know, as I would look and find and discover the lie that I was wanting to hang on to or believe or see, I would um, say, okay, God, so what is the truth? How do you see mm-hmm. me? And he would just in the most remarkable and, and sometimes insignificant either way, ways, let me know. I believe with all of my being, if we are willing to ask him questions, do you know what I'm saying? He shows up. I mean, he wants nothing more nothing more than to let us know, you know, what he thinks of us and how he sees us. It was almost in a sense, coming full circle, a restoration of that relationship you had at eight 
for sure. But and it wasn't that God had stopped speaking during that time. It wasn't that you had lost the special. He had lost interest in that special relationship, that thing that you longed for in your adult life so much. Like I wanted it to be different. It's just that crap got in the way. You literally let the crap pile up to where he was still speaking, but you couldn't oh, seemingly I couldn't. hear. You couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh. That he was still reaching, he was still wanting, he was still loving, and but you couldn't see it anymore. It was yeah, absolutely a wall of crap. And and for the for people who you know have a problem with the word, I'm really sorry, but I hope you've you know been able to understand why the word is so important because it's it it is stinky and messy and all because like if 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 we had even one of us had a tiny bit on our shoe, right in this room, we would be seeking it out and trying to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's that repulsive to us, right? It doesn't take long to try to want to figure it out and get rid of it. And, and, but yet there were other things that are just as stinky that we just live with as part of life. Does that make sense? And after a while, then we do another layer and another layer and another layer until we are just consumed and walking around, carrying it and you know, having it on our backs and then yeah. we're just, you know, and we don't even know we're doing it anymore. It's just become part of our life. A really great quick example of how this now plays out even today. Um, this is actually a year or two ago or whatever, but uh, I were driving home from something and it had been a long time past the blog. So I, you know, quite a ways removed from that, but we're driving home and I'm telling Chris some stuff that was going on and, and, you know, how I was feeling about myself as a result of some of this stuff. And all of a sudden, mm. my window in the car beside me just comes down. And, you know, the wind's like blowing in my face. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, throw that crap out the window. It is stinking up the car. Please just throw it out the window. It does not <laughs> I, need to be stinking up the car. I love your husband. He <laughs> yeah, that know, great. He's so awesome. I really look up to him. But, you know, just in his quiet, like, you know, but this was, but it was a very literal example of, wait a minute, Beth, this is it again. Like, let it go. We mm-hmm. don't need that. You don't need to take a moment contemplating that because that is crap. Mm. So can I, and feel free to just say no and reject this question. Yes. Um, what were, I, I'd, I'd love to hear just a couple uh, that you're willing to share of some of the lies that you had bought into about yourself versus what mm. God actually showed you that you now do believe about yourself, or at least are on the journey to embracing about yourself too, because that the revealing and the accepting can sometimes come at two very different times, oh, right? For so, sure. so what for were sure. some of those things that, that you, that have helped on your journey? Um, You know, I, uh, there are different things throughout my lifetime that contributed to really believing that I was dumb. Mm. Um, I, I just have a very different brain from some of my siblings who are brilliant. And uh, so because of that, you know, I just, uh, that always, that was always like this, you know, you're not good enough. You're not, you know, you're dumb. Um, I've been told by many people um hurtful things about my weight. I've struggled with my weight my whole life. Um, and that was, I mean, from the time I was 10 years old, I remember I, I grew very fast. So I was a, a, I was fully grown as a woman at 10, which doesn't look normal. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so I had a woman when I was 10 years old, a beautiful woman, but a complete stranger in a bathroom tell me that I need to start watching my weight or I was, it was going to get out of control Well, that told the 10 year old little girl, you're fat. You see what I'm saying? And I wasn't, I was just fast in my maturing. And, but so then I carried that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. For, from the time I was 10 until, you know, 45. Wow. You know? So, so things like that, it was, it was, it were lies. And and those lies, the devil is so infuriating to me because he will take something that total stranger said to me who doesn't know me at all. And there shouldn't have been any value. I shouldn't have put any value on that. That was her own crap. Mm-hmm. You know, you can imagine what was in her life that yeah. made her. What, what someone feel- said to 10 year old her. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So that was her crap. But then I can't tell you how many people reinforce that over and over and over and over again, which is the deceiver trying to mm-hmm. make it happen. Right. So he's trying to reinforce that that is that is not only then it doesn't become that 
that I have some extra weight, which by the way, this is my, and I know this is not about weight, but I, but he, he, God helped me see that this is, you know, I can say all day long. Well, everyone, everyone had been telling me that I'm fat. Let me back up. So I would believe that I am fat. Okay. We might say that we never say I am an earlobe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. We all have earlobes, but we would never say I'm an earlobe. I have fat, but I am not fat. Do you see the difference? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was one of the processes of, you know, God joy, but it was so much more. I mean, it was things like, you know, a slob, you know, I told you about the housekeeping thing Mm -hmm. and not being organized and you're too flighty and you can't finish anything. Well, I have, you know, I blogged 365 days. So just that (laughs) alone was like, you know, (laughs) yeah, yes, I can finish something. Mm -hmm. And then the interview cuts off abruptly. No, (laughs) (laughs) done. Done. Completely Um, done. Yeah. I mean, it is. No, you're right. It's it's giving validity to it's giving people the right to speak into your life who haven't earned it. That woman didn't know you from Eve. But can I say? But bathroom. can I say that people that have even quote unquote earned the right, like right, people who are really say, close to me, will say things that reinforce the other. Mm. So I have come to the play. Well, wait a minute. There is. It's not that I don't listen to people, but when I am going to learn about who I am. I am a child of God. He is my Lord and Savior, and he adores me inside and out and has a twinkle in his eye always because of who I am. Mm. And that is enough and everything. Ah, we got her to cry. I'm about um, to, yeah. Uh, stop it. And may I just say, you know, back to the other point where you said you feared you were stupid. Um, you know, I have no way to judge your your book smarts or whatever, but you are definitely one of the most <laughs> EQ intelligent people I have ever met. And Emotional think, quotient is that yes, the yeah yes. Um, it you know it's a different kind of intelligence, but just as is valid. Mm-hmm. And I don't and I have no reason to believe that you're not, you know, you're lacking in the IQ department either. But I just throw that out there. Definitely one thing I appreciate about you. You just have a you're very good with the EQ, the heart. You mm. just figure stuff in a way that's mm. very helpful. Thank so you. I, I love how God's given you that gift as well. Thanks. Um, thank you for the vulnerability and for being willing to share that. I know that what I asked was a heavy question, A, and that <laughs> everybody right. just be like, no, um, <laughs> that's crap, Ryan. But, <laughs> but I, um, I very much appreciate that vulnerability. I actually very much resonate with the comment about being dumb. Mm. Um, one of the reasons that I... Um, I always have some smart remark or something like that is because I grew up the youngest child um, of a dad that was very sarcastic and an older brother that was very sarcastic. And to this day, I've never beaten them in one of those, you know, one of those battles of wits. And so there's a part of my pride that does to this day come from being able to outsmart someone else in a conversation or Mm -hmm. with a comeback or Mm -hmm. um, like that's a real thing. And that's from the insecurity of feeling dumb or yeah. feeling like I didn't measure, I couldn't measure up and stand toe to toe with my dad or, yeah. um, or my brother, and it's not something they like intentionally instilled, but it's just it's there, and that's part of the crap that is that has come with me. And so, very much when you mentioned that for in a different way, but I I I very much resonated with that comment. Um, and I, yeah, personally, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story and and you are so welcome. Um, it's such a joy to be here. I mean, I know I'm I sat here crying like a blubbering child. But no, you I, crying I, is a good thing, not a bad <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, and there, you cried again when when you get therapy, you will learn that <laughs> yeah, emotional right? expressions, as guy or a girl, is a healthy yeah. thing. And well, and you even cried at the positive part. You cried when talking about how God sees you, you know, not honestly, at the other. <laughs> That that is usually more what it has to do because it, the tears come from this uh, this you know profound joy mm-hmm. that has that has replaced so many years of so much pain. Do you know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. And and it is a joy that is just um, uh, it is a deep and abiding joy that I am so thankful for. But it has come from that you know my beautiful Savior who who loves me and has been with me since the moment I was born, you know? Well, and, and definitely, Beth, we've had a lot of joy having this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a continuation of the joy we have with you in our life. 
And for those who have been listening, we hope you have had a great amount of joy and, and, and blessing in this. If you haven't, then I dare you to start back over, listen to this mm-hmm. again, and take a sip of water every time the word crap is said. <laughs> and you will not only be hydrated, but hopefully you will have a feeling deep inside of you, if not of joy, of the need. You know, be. you can... You can uh, but, drown drinking too much water. You can drown with too much water, right? So well, uh, I you mean, can overhydrate yourself. Yes. That's a dangerous drinking game, no matter how you play well, it here, that, Henry. That's true. So I guess they need to let it go, just like our Disney yes. sponsorship is never going to come. <laughs> but uh, no, we can't We can't thank you enough, Beth, for sharing your heart, uh, being vulnerable, as Ryan said. And, and I've learned a lot. I even like the, uh, the illustration of fertilizer. That's just a... a Mm-hmm. It seems so simple, but it's profound, and I hadn't thought of it that way mm-hmm. before. So it, it's it's been a blessing. Thank you yeah. for sharing your heart. Thanks. I want to ask um, one last question and take a second to think about it if you need to. Um, to someone else who feels like they've lost the, the wonder and awe of their eight-year-old self mm-hmm. and the faith of their eight-year-old self, um, maybe they have realized that they're in that absent or depressed phase, or maybe they haven't yet. Um, but what, what would you say to them or what, what way would you encourage them on their journey? I would say to them to make it a daily practice to ask for that, you know, to ask for, for, for God to help them see the, you know, the glories, the things that they can relish in that they would have relished in as an eight year old, do you know what I'm saying? In that relationship with him, but to be persistent about asking him, there's something that um, I'm so thankful for that challenge that Lynn Ortel gave me because that uh, that to me just showed the beauty of what happens when we are willing to persistently and and consistently ask God to show us something. And I I do it now periodically. Like sometimes it's it's something different. Like you know I'll go for a period of time. God today, please show me how to love my husband. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's my my will be my daily prayer for a while and then maybe it's hey god please show me this this week every single day i want you to show me how powerful your grace is in action or whatever it is you know whatever it is that i'm looking at so yeah if it's a child that childlike zeal and and joy in just experiencing god then ask him please show me that every single day or today and then do it again the next day awesome uh beth thank you again Know that we love you. We care about you. Yeah, I love we you guys think you're beautiful. So much. We love that. Um, <laughs> beautiful inside. And I love you more than Henry does. And um, <laughs> that's crap. <laughs> um, Henry and I are going to continue fighting over Beth after we're done recording. Um, and uh, the Highlander, there can only be one, Henry. And Chris is going to win her husband. He's going to crush us both. Yeah. Uh, but no, thank we you. We just need to let this go. And um, if you're listening, go check out Joy in the Weeds. It is live at the time that you're hearing this this episode. Go check that out, her and uh, Kim Cove's podcast. Um, And thank you for being on this journey with us. And we'll see you next week.